Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Give yourselves a round of applause. It's, it's packed in here. If you're coming in the back and you can't get a seat, we do have another venue on site called the chapel because uh, I, don't, I don't really don't see many seats open from up here, and I see people coming in. So, hey, Avon, last Sunday, Avon's with us live right now. Can we give them a round of applause? And I'll tell you why in, in just a moment. Um, last Sunday, Avon broke its all-time attendance record. That location's about a year and a half old, and so awesome to see the number of people growing. But here's what's incredible. Today, as we do baptisms, uh, seven new believers over at Avon who will be giving their lives to Christ today. Can we celebrate that? Uh, way to go, Avon. We love you guys. And uh, for those of us here in Brownsburg or those of you online, you just heard from Pastor Ron, the Avon location's an incredible spot. It's an incredible group of people. And next Sunday is an open house over there. So especially if you live in southern Brownsburg or Plainfield, Danville, Avon area, we'd love for you to go and just kind of join the party next week. Check it out. See what God is doing there. Well, we're in week two of a series called Find Hope Here. And uh, it's not a hypothetical series. It's a series for the times in life where you feel hopeless about something. Uh, I shared last week, uh, I, in the course of my lifetime, have had a handful of odd viruses and neurological issues. Maybe that explains part of my strangeness, but... Uh, a, a few weeks ago, um, my, my brain started doing this thing. They call it vestibular neuritis. It affects your balance and your eye's ability to focus. I know many of you have been praying for me. I just want to say thank you. Uh, I'm not out of the woods, but I am way better than I was a week ago. And I just cannot thank you enough for loving me, for praying for me. Thank you. And uh, I want you to know today, if you're our guest, if you're a regular, wherever something in your life feels hopeless, because I know for me, when I go through some of these medical things, it can feel hopeless, or maybe your marriage feels hopeless, or something inside you feels hopeless, uh, this entire month of August, not just today, but these upcoming weekends as well, we are helping you find real meaningful hope in God. It's real, it can change your life, it can carry you through anything, um, God believes in you. We love you. We're so glad that you're with us today. Well, this last week, I've resumed driving a, a little bit cautiously, but I'm, I'm driving. And the other day, I drove to a park, and I was kind of praying and getting ready for the message. And I was sitting there, actually eating my lunch in my Toyota Land Cruiser. I was looking out the front windshield, and this dad and his son showed up to play pickleball. Have you heard, you've heard about pickleball, right? World's fastest growing sport. No pickles are involved. Spoiler, spoiler alert. No pickles are involved. It's like a form of tennis. So this dad and son are playing, and I'm watching them. The son's probably about 10 years old, maybe 9, 10, that area. And uh, I'm like, wow, what a great thing. Father, son, playing sports. This is awesome. And then I watch the dad just have this, like, beat-down play where he smacks the ball. It goes across the net, bounces. You know, it's a point for the dad. And the dad kind of throws his shoulders back and and at first, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We got to kind of keep them in their place. <laughs> and then I'm eating my food, and I keep watching, and the dad just keeps doing this over and over and over again. And I'm kind of thinking as a dad of three, like, all right, you know, I'm not the guy who just lets them win every time, every once in a while, I'm, you know, but I'm going to let them at least have some progress. And I see this Nine or ten-year-old boy, his head just starts to, you know, go forward. He's getting so discouraged. And I'm thinking, surely this dad, and I, I hope you're not here today, okay? If you are, <laughs> there's hope for you, too, okay? But <laughs> this dad, this dad, I keep thinking he's going to, like, you know, go over and teach him something or give him a chance. No, like, he's kind of, like, taking out all his frustration. And I'm thinking, like, man, if I was in better health, I'd be running out there to, like, kind of put this guy in his place, because of course you can take on a nine or 10 year old. Like, I don't know, do you ever feel that kind of feeling in life? <laughs> 
Like you're trying your hardest in the way the little nine-year-old felt. You're just not strong enough. You're not fast enough. Uh, or how about this? Could you relate to that feeling in relation to God? You ever feel like, you know, well, I know God's powerful and strong, and, but, but if he's all those things, then why is my life like this? Why isn't he helping me? Do you ever feel like no matter how hard you try, it's not good enough? That's what we're going to talk about today, when you feel like you're not good enough. Maybe for you that's spiritually, between you and God, you just feel like, I'm not good enough. Or maybe it's in your marriage. You feel like, I'm not good enough for my spouse. Maybe your spouse told you that. Maybe you feel like, I'm not a good enough student. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough employee. I'm, I'm not good enough to stay away from that thing I'm addicted to. I'm, not, I'm just not good enough. Sometimes we need hope for our circumstances. Other times we need hope for ourselves. Things that are within us that seem and feel hopeless. Uh, I'm here today really just as a servant of the message of Jesus and I hope you know that uh, I often feel the same way about myself, that I'm not good enough. Not good enough at resisting sin. Not good enough at doing what the Bible says. Not good enough at following the example of Jesus who set us a perfect example. Many days where I feel I I'm not good enough at uh, denying my old lusts and living the new life of Christ, um, if you relate to any of that, and I won't ask for a raise of hands because you probably don't want to be like, yeah, I do that too, you know, but maybe it's refreshing to hear. Uh, can I just let you in on a little secret about the Christian life? Uh, this is a secret that took me years as a pastor to, to realize. In fact, it's a secret that some scholars and pastors never do get brought in on. You want to know what the secret is? The Christian life is impossible. In your own strength, you trying your best, you doing better, working harder, trying to be perfect, it's impossible. You'll never be sinless enough. You'll never stand up against spiritual attack enough in your own strength. You'll never be selfless enough. I mean, look at the biggest heroes of the Bible. And if you're new to the Bible, I'll just summarize a few of these for you. David, we studied him last week. He was a guy who was known as a man after God's own heart. Maybe you've heard about David and Goliath, shepherd boy who through faith overcame this ultimate fighting giant in a battle to the death. All these wonderful things that he did, including writing parts of the Bible, and yet there was a time when David fell into sexual temptation and he gave into that sin and the consequences of that sin, God never stopped loving him, but the consequences ripped his family apart and really put a, a tarnish on his legacy. Or how about Noah? You've heard of Noah. God warns Noah that a flood is coming because people are literally killing each other and abusing each other. The world has has kind of gone to hell. And God says, Noah, I'm gonna start over. You're the righteous one that I can find, so build an ark. Noah, by faith, does all these great things. And then finally, after the flood is over, what happens? Noah gets drunk and makes a total fool of himself, and that's part of the story. How about Moses, who led God's people out of captivity in Egypt, set my people free, and yet there's this moment in Moses' story where he's so mad at the people because they're just being kind of childish. And there is in the moment this rock that kind of symbolizes God. And in Moses' anger, he strikes the rock and it, it was a blasphemous thing. It was a big deal spiritually. And Moses failed. Or Peter, one of Jesus' three closest disciples. Uh, Peter, to whom Jesus said, you're the rock on whom I will build my church, Peter. You're the guy. And then in the moment where Jesus is arrested and he's being tried right before he's crucified, Peter starts cursing like a sailor. He says, I don't even know the guy. I'm not one of his followers, not with him. Completely denies Jesus. Paul the apostle, 
who wrote more of the Bible than anyone else, most of the New Testament. He kind of opens the hood to his inner life in Romans chapter six. And in that chapter, he writes this, there's a lot of really bad things out there that I know I'm not supposed to do. And if I'm honest, there's a lot of times that I do those things. And then Paul says this, there's a lot of great things that I know I'm supposed to do. And if I'm honest, there's times that there's a part of me that doesn't do those things. These are the biggest heroes of the story. So you might ask yourself, what's the point? Why even try? Because no matter how hard I try, I will have shortcomings. I've had on my personal goals list for the last four years, quote, increase daily scriptural intake. Maybe I've made some progress, but I've not made the progress that I wanted to make. I just want you guys to know, if there's parts of you that you think, I just keep trying this thing, I I have these flaws or I have these failures, I have these shortcomings, if you can relate to any of that, I can sure relate. These heroes of the Bible can relate. I wonder where in your life are you not enough or not good enough? And this is a moment just between you and God. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about the people sitting around you. Between you and God in your life right now, where is it that you're not good enough? Or where is it that you're just not enough? Maybe as a dad, you think, I'm not enough of a provider. As a spouse, you think, I'm not enough of a forgiver. As a student, you think, I'm... I needed the scholarship and I, I did everything I could and I couldn't get the scholarship or I, I didn't get accepted to the school I wanted. I'm just not enough. I didn't make the team. I want to encourage you in this moment, open that insufficiency to, to the creator of the universe because I can guarantee you he's got a word for you today about the impossibility of the Christian life. God speaks to this dirty little secret of Christianity, that it's impossible in our strength. He speaks to it in Colossians chapter one. In fact, Paul's writing, the very guy who said the things I don't wanna do, I do, and the things I know I should do, I don't do. Here's what Paul says in Colossians one, verse 25. He says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church. Now, his church in the Bible is never a building, it's the people. It's what you're experiencing right now, the gathering of Jesus followers. And Paul says, here's my responsibility. It's to proclaim to you God's entire message. The whole of scripture from Genesis to Revelation, not just the parts that feel good, not just the motivational, inspirational parts, but all of it, including this reality that there's gonna be days where you come up short. There's gonna be days where you disappoint yourself. And within it, Paul says this, here comes the dirty little secret, verse 26, this message was kept secret. It's the Greek word mysterion, it's where we get our word mystery. There's this divine mystery about you and God. And and Paul says this has been kept secret for hundreds of years, for centuries, for generations past. This is a secret that Moses and Noah and those guys we learned about, they didn't know this secret that God revealed through the life of Christ and has now been revealed to us. And this is such an important secret for the Christian life. Here it is, verse 27. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. Four little words that if you will believe them, if you will receive them, If you invite Christ to be your savior and forgive your sins, they will change your life. And it's easy to miss the profound significance of these four little words because this is almighty God who spoke planets into existence. (laughs) Who can, you know, at a move of his fingers or, or a move of his mind shift oceans and nations and continents This almighty God, all of the Old Testament leading up to Jesus, he doesn't ever live in his people. After Jesus rises from the dead, 
He tells his followers, my Holy Spirit will descend upon you and the very Spirit of God will now live within you and you, little motley crew of messed up, broken people, will change the course of human history and it has happened. That prediction of Jesus 2,000 years ago has come true. It's now the largest movement in human history. But I wanna personalize this for you. This is so unique you look at other world religions, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, they don't teach that Allah or whoever their God is will ever come and indwell you, habitate within you, reside in you, meaning that wherever you're insufficient, wherever there are holes and gaps in yourself, his light and life can shine through where you lack. And where you're not good enough, he makes up for it. And we don't have the strength to do what's right. He within you has the strength to do what's right. And at first, it might sound like mental jujitsu. It might sound like wishful thinking. It would be wishful thinking if it wasn't a spiritual and literal reality that when you ask Jesus to forgive your sins, Almighty God comes to habitate within you. And then for the rest of your life on earth, it is a, a learning experience to learn to unleash and really surrender so that he can make up for all the gaps in you. You can literally translate part of this verse this way. The hope of glory is Christ in you. And this changes everything because now when I'm struggling with sin, my hope isn't that I have a little more willpower, that I do a little bit better, that I be a little bit more righteous. My hope is this. One, that sin has already been paid for. Two, the very person, the only being in the universe who could defeat that sin has defeated it, lives within me. And if I'll surrender to him, that sin is already defeated. And you start to believe that and pray that and live that. And the very things that you couldn't stop doing on your own, he starts to empower you to stop doing. And the very things that you knew you should be doing as a dad or in other areas of life, he starts to, as you pray and you ask him, Lord, make me the man you want me to be. Make me the woman you want me to be. Make me the child of God. I surrender to you in me the hope of glory. And so this is so real for your shortcomings and mine. That when you surrender to this, your failures no longer define you. Your shortcomings are no longer your ceiling in life. Your future status that you're a, a co-champion with Christ in heaven who's defeated sin and death starts to define your present reality. And you know that that is secure and sure for you no matter what because of the work of Jesus. And your actual holiness starts to become real because Christ is in you. Here this verse continues and it says this. This is the secret. Christ lives in you, believer in Jesus. And this, the fact that Christ lives in you, this gives you assurance. If you focus on your capacity and your shortcomings, it's not gonna lead you to assurance. But if you focus on Christ's sufficiency, it starts to give you confidence in your life so that your failures no longer define you. Rather, his success defines you. Your shame no longer haunts you. His love haunts you. It's true in the record of heaven. It's factually true in the universe if you've asked Christ to be your savior. But it's more than just that. It becomes a daily reality that your debt is forgiven. And, and, and if you're skeptical, especially if you've been in church for a while, you might think, oh, I don't know, John, this sounds a little dangerous because if people believe that, then won't they just start and go like sinning all the time and be like, who cares if I sin, it's all paid for. Well, not if you really understand and appreciate what Jesus paid on the cross. It, it, the irony is this. When I try in my own strength to be perfect, I keep messing up and it leads me on a shame spiral downward. But when I surrender to the living Christ within me, I'll still mess up on occasion. But then I just, I just do what Jesus says. He says in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if you confess your sin... He is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So after you receive Jesus as your savior, are you still gonna mess up? Yes. 
when you do, it's like you fell down, you just get back up. And you ask God to forgive you, and you ask him to lead you in the new way of life, and he will do that. And as time goes on, and you keep gathering with a Bible-believing church, you listen to the word of God, when you fall short, you confess it, you ask God to help you with your weaknesses, that negative spiral of shame downward because you're focusing on your insufficiency turns into an upward spiral that you're focused on Christ's sufficiency, his forgiveness, what he says about you. You could put it this way. Here's God's secret to a hopeful life. You don't have to be good enough. Big sigh, insert big sigh. You don't have to be strong enough. You only need Christ in you, the hope of glory. And by the way, he's the only thing in the universe that can do this for you. There's someone today and you are drowning right now under the exhaustion and the frustration of trying to be perfect. And I applaud you for your motives and your intentions, but you're just drowning under trying to be a perfect mom trying to never yell at the kids, trying to be a perfect student, but you got a, you know, a B. You're trying so hard, and you're so focused on where you fall short. And what God says today, it's the verse we ended with last week. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Bring me your shortcomings. Bring me your shame, and I will give you rest for your soul. Jesus says, learn my way of life. And, and that's after you receive Christ for salvation, then start praying, Jesus, teach me your way of life. Teach me to walk in your freedom, in your forgiveness. Teach me to receive your grace every day. All right, I'm getting a little churchy sounding here, so let's shift gears. I wanna show you one of my favorite internet memes. It's a very sophisticated sense of humor, so I have to give you a little background. Are you familiar with the royal family? Uh, here's Prince William and his wife, Kate, the Duchess of, I don't know, something, dot, 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 okay? Now, I, I, I do respect this couple. I think they're great people. I need to say that before I continue with my meme. You know, when the royal family goes places, like, I mean, there's a motorcade and there's the paparazzi and it's a big deal. Well, they were in, in Boston, 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 USA. They went to a Boston Celtics NBA basketball game. And after the basketball game, during the post-game press interview, the NBA coach of the Celtics was there on live TV, nationwide, probably international. And one of the reporters says, hey, did you know the royal family was here? And his response to me, it, it's just one of those things that I saw on the internet and it just lives in my head rent-free because I just found it to be hilarious. It's so unexpected. Uh, with all respect to the royal family, go ahead and take a look. Um, a non-basketball question. Did you get a chance to meet with the royal family? And if not, how was it like having them there in the building? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? <laughs> the prince and princess of Wales. Oh, no, I did not. I'm only familiar with one royal family. I don't know too much about that one. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm glad they're hopefully they're Celtic fans. Yeah. Thank you. Just so cold. His delivery, just like ice cold, man. I only know one royal family. Anyhow, that one lives in my head rent free. But he does have it right. There is only one ruler of the universe, and there's this marvel that the one true God over the universe, I mean, according to the scriptures, here's who he is. The, the being who created you, he answers to no one. He has no rivals. There are no equals to him. No one threatens his power. And as such, we don't get to tell him, hey, we're gonna define right and wrong. We're gonna define good and bad. It's like, you know, throwing water at the side of a, of a, a stone cliff. It just bounces off. We don't get to make the rules. His laws are way more unchanging spiritually and morally 
than the laws of gravity or the speed of light. And we little temporary creatures, we don't get to bend his rules. And if you only heard that, which is true, you might envision God as some tyrant above the stars, just eager to squash us like ants the moment we fail or mess up. And the real marvel of the one true God who created you, don't miss this, is that he is that powerful. And if he took a position of not caring about you or me or our mistakes or just squashed us, there's not even a place in the universe where we could file a complaint. But this same almighty God, this unchallenged God who needs no one, answers no one, who feeds light and life to the universe, he's not angry, he's not absent. He is, according to his own love letter to us, the Bible, full of compassion, slow to anger, eager to forgive. He is patient, he's gentle, he's kind, and his goodness goes on and on. We can't number it. His goodness goes to such an extent that he doesn't just say, oh, where you've wronged me or wronged others, I'll kind of overlook it and paint over it. No, he said, I will go down to earth as a human, the person of Jesus the Christ, and I will absorb into myself the debt, the consequences, the injustice for every one of your mistakes, every one of John Dickerson's mistakes. I'll take the punishment. And anyone who will simply be humble enough to believe in me and receive my forgiveness, I will then, for all of eternity, look at them as perfect. That's some broken math. And that's God's equation through Jesus. And so this whole equation of I have to be good enough, I have to perform, it's an equation that you're never gonna get it to make sense. The real equation of the universe is about how good Jesus is, how well Jesus performed. (laughs) And the only equal sign you need is this, Have you received Jesus to be your savior? The moment you do, all of his perfection gets accredited to you. And not only does that happen legally, but his spirit comes to live inside you and absolutely change you. This stuff is not hypothetical. If this stuff was not true, like my kids, I have three kids, they think I'm the world's best dad. They love me to death. It's not because I'm a good dad. It's because Christ lives in me. I'm telling you, there's so many times where I would have lost my temper or I would have given up or I would have not showed up, but Christ living in me actually makes me a different person. My spouse, she's amazing and she actually likes me. You can have a marriage where you actually like the person you're married to and it's not because of John Dickerson. It's because of Christ living in me. And by the way, I'm absolutely smitten with her. And a lot of that is Christ living in her. And the fact that that I'm able some weekends to get up here and speak God's word in a way that helps you. And that's not just me. Thousands of people in our movement every week using their gifts, serving, leading small groups. Right now in our kids' city and holding crying babies and working with teens. Every single person who's doing something good at and through Connection Point, it's really not them or me or us, it's Christ in us. And it just changes all of life. And I want you to get this, that the humility of Christ is, he's all I need, he's the only one who can help me. That is the starting line of salvation, but then it continues every day. Live with a daily dependence. It says, yes, I will fail, I will fall. I will at times be not good enough in my strength, in my own character, but that's okay. Because Christ lives in me, and my focus is on his new life in me. And then the hero of the story, every day, every season, it's never me or you. The hero of the story is always Jesus. You see, God's love at the cross, don't miss this. God's love for you, proven at the cross, has the power to forgive and to rehabilitate anything that is humbly laid 
at his feet. Maybe you hear that and you say, John, do you really mean anything? Yes. God really means anything. He can rehabilitate your spouse. He can rehabilitate you. He can rehabilitate you from addiction, from brokenness, from the worst of sin, from the worst of shame. Maybe it's shame you carry from sin that other people did to you. He can rehabilitate you from that. Bring your wounds, bring your brokenness, lay them humbly at his feet. This is what we mean when we say there's hope for you when you're not enough. I hope it's starting to make sense. I get passionate about this. And the reason I get passionate about this is that we all carry some sense of shortcoming and shame if we're honest with ourselves. I mean, unless you're a complete narcissist, there's something in you that you know there's times you fall short, there's times that you wronged that person, they helped you so much, and then the way you treated them wasn't right, the list goes on. We all have these shortcomings. And there's something in us that knows, I need some kind of relief mechanism, I need some kind of pressure outlet for this sense of shame and shortcoming that I carry. And the reality is there's no other relief mechanism in all of the universe that can do for you what Christ in you can do. None of the other religions do it because uh, with, with as much respect as I, I give to other people, everyone's made in God's image, we love them all. But Jesus, here's what's interesting, Confucius and if you ask a Buddhist leader, Mohammed, the prophet of Islam, they all say, yeah, Jesus, great religious teacher. Uh, we think we're right, but we also think he's right. You know what Jesus says about them? He doesn't acknowledge them. And he says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So God loves the people who believe those religions, but those religions aren't going to get them to heaven because Jesus is the only way. And, and, and it makes such a difference because those religions all inevitably, if you reduce them down to their, their most simplified ingredients, they all say, work harder, try harder, give more money, say more prayers, turn this direction when you pray, kneel when you pray, you perform your way to heaven. And Jesus' message is radically different. It turns it upside down. He says, I performed your way to heaven. All that's needed is the humility to spiritually bow before God and say, God, I'm not good enough, but I believe and I receive Jesus to be my good enough. And when that happens, it's like a valve turns and there is a relief mechanism for your shame and your shortcomings. And it's the only one I know of that actually works. You can try to go the other way and say, well, I'm just not gonna believe any religion. I'm not gonna believe there's a God at all. And when you do that, you make yourself the God of your life and, and inevitably you go down that path long enough and you become a slave to your own lower desires. And you follow the path of you doing whatever you want long enough and guess what? You're not gonna be able to have a sustainable love relationship with another adult because that requires self-denial. And if you're on a path of I don't deny myself anything, guess what? You'll be like all the celebrities who are constantly getting divorced. Millions of dollars, worldwide fame, but they can't have a single relationship because they're on a path of doing whatever they feel like. So that doesn't relieve your shame, just creates more. In the work of Jesus Christ, we find the one unique relief mechanism for our shame and our shortcomings because it's the only place that, that doesn't brush them away, but instead says they are known. Your shortcomings are known and they're paid for. They're resolved. Your debt is paid. Through the work of Jesus, your shortcomings and shame are entirely washed away. I, I once saw a little meme on the internet. I couldn't find it for today. So it, I think it's the perfect picture of Christianity. It's a little boy on his dad's shoulders. And the boy is holding a basketball in his hands. And the dad goes over to a basketball hoop. And because the boy's on his dad's shoulder, he's about two feet away. And he tosses it up. And it goes in. And he says, I did it. That is the Christianity of Jesus. That's the message of the cross. 
Because I couldn't find that video, we did find a similar one. And I just have to show it to you guys because some of you weren't here in July, that's okay. Our teaching pastor, Ron, who's awesome, taught about the will of God being a hula hoop. (laughs) So when I saw this one, I had to show you because this really, when you understand Christ is living in you, he's the hope of glory, this is what the Christian life can look like. Feel free to chuckle as you take a look. Super cute, right? Super cute. I want to give you a visual contrast. So I want you to imagine that little girl, really not tall enough to hula hoop yet. I want you to imagine instead she keeps grabbing it from her dad and she keeps trying. Is she going to be as happy? That's how some of you walked in here today, right? That's how I walk in here many days. It's not by our might. It's not by our power. It's not by our perfection. And I love Ron's analogy. I absolutely think a hula hoop is a great visual of God's will for your life. You can live God's will for your life through Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can can have your best marriage, be the best version of yourself, be the best employee or business owner that you could possibly be by striving less and surrendering more. I'm just going to fly through some points. If you want to take some pictures, I think there's just about three of them, but um, basic observations from the Bible. First, your struggle against sin and shortcomings is real and normal. So, you know, unless you're lying to yourself, the days that you feel like, oh gosh, I shouldn't have done that, or why didn't I do this, it's totally normal. It was normal for those Bible heroes. It's normal for me and every Christian leader you'll meet. Second, You cannot win your struggle against sin and shortcomings in your own strength. You just can't. A for effort, but you're not going to pass on results, okay? Here's the good news. Your struggle against sin and against your shortcomings, as well as our very struggle against death, we don't want to die, all of those have already been defeated at the cross by Jesus. This is what Colossians 1.27 means. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. He gives you the assurance of sharing in his glory. All right, quick group question. Here's a light bulb sitting on a table. Look closely. You can answer out loud if you want. Don't worry if you get it wrong. Is this light bulb broken? You look in there at the filament. No, it's not. It's not broken. So, Why isn't it producing light if it's not broken? Well, it's on a table, right? That light bulb that's not broken, as long as it sits on that table, is it ever going to produce light in that posture? No. Now, here's the same light bulb. When a light is connected to electricity, do you know what happens? The electricity actually flows through that filament that you see glowing there. The electricity lives in it. And what happens is the chemical filament is just reacting to the the force that is moving through it. Once you plug into Christ, his victory becomes available to you in your life to define you and empower you every moment of every day in your struggles where you need more self-control, it's more Christ in you that you need, more surrender to his way of life. Here's that same light now really beaming, and if you ever use a dimmer switch, some dim up and down, some are a circle, and you can adjust how bright the light is, you know what you're doing? You're really just adjusting how much electricity is flowing through the light bulb. The more electricity, the brighter it gets. Invite Christ, not only to forgive your sins, but to live in you and then surrender to him in a way that turns the dimmer increasingly up, that more and more of his life is in you, and your life will start to shine in ways 
that if you're not connected to him, you just never can. <laughs> a light bulb separated from electricity, it could, you know, could sweat and muster up all the willpower. It's not gonna shine. A life of being filled by God's favor rather than depleting yourself trying to find or earn it. So what does this really look like? And for your hopeless situation or your shame or shortcoming, could this, what we're learning today, could it actually work for you? Because I'm guessing if you're anything like me, there's part of you that thinks, well, cute, great, good for other people, but there's no way this could work for me and what I'm going through. What if you could be guided through the hopeless thing in your life right now? What would that look like? Well, every year here at Connection Point, we see hundreds of people who surrender to Christ, invite him to live in them, and it literally changes their lives. I want to show you the story of two of them. Go ahead and take a look. I'm Kate Brown. And I'm Chad Brown. I started working for the railroad when I was 19 years old. Um, I had 23 years on the railroad. Things started off kind of rocky in my career in the railroad. I started out as a conductor. When I became a new engineer in like 2006, I'm going to Toledo, Ohio. I'm coming up to a signal that says I gotta be at 30 miles an hour through a crossover. I'm coming up to the crossing, I see a car run the gates and they got stuck on the track. I'm approaching them, we were so close that the driver I seen jump out of um, door. He got out and I see the passenger's door is locked and he's putting his shoulder up to it. And at that point I see his face in the window and it's just a face I have flashbacks about. It seemed like every two years I kept having a traumatic fatality incident. When the accident started happening I looked to drugs and alcohol um, just to, so I'd just pass out. I would drink and use drugs and that's how I coped with life. That's how I knew as growing up, that's how I knew how to deal with things. Everything that he would experience with the fatalities, you know, he never really wanted to talk about it. The word divorce actually came up a lot. Um, it was almost kind of like we would use that term loosely to where it didn't even have meaning anymore. When I can't get anything out of him, it was just really hard to have that type of relationship and that partner that I was needing. It was just really hard to see, like, I felt helpless. Um, you know, I couldn't do anything to help with his addiction. It didn't matter that we were a family, that we had kids. It was just, that was his way of coping the best that he could, you know, and I kind of understood that at the same time, just because I know that the railroad life is hard. I just think I was depressed a lot. So much depression, so much uh, alone, I guess. That's just feeling like alone, just feeling like these thoughts are all bad. I'm like, why am I thinking this stuff? I shouldn't be thinking this way. This, this isn't the way to go. It's just that, just that feel of hopelessness. Like, there was no hope. I didn't, I didn't really, I believed in Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. I didn't understand faith. I just, I just didn't understand it. I think I felt most hopeless when I got pulled out of service. There, at that point, as a man, as a provider, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I, I had God in my mind, but I wasn't at the point yet where he's performed these miracles to where I really got my faith. I didn't know if I should go get another job. I didn't know if I should try to just go back to the railroad and just deal with what I'm dealing with and just go back to coping. I didn't know, so that's where I left all my faith into God to kind of guide me where I need to go. We knew Ben and Julie Metcalf, and that's how we got connected with Connection Point. They asked us to go to church one day, and we went. Thinking about God, just in service, just talking with Him, just, you know, just being real with myself, just kind of sitting there praying, saying, God, these are my problems. I mean, I, I need help. I don't know where to go in life. Now I don't know what to do. I, I don't have a job right now. After service, they asked people to come down and pray. You know, just seeing how broken he was during service, I knew that there was a lot going on in his mind. Um, I knew that, you know, he was hurting. And when that offer was at the end of the church, like, hey, if anyone needs some prayer, just come down, you know, down to the front. And it wasn't even like a thought. He just was like, okay, I need prayer. I feel God was leading me as far as going down and getting prayed for. Like my wife said, it wasn't even a, wasn't even a thought. It's like I was being guided 
down there. And then he's guiding me toward Avon with Josh Pizzold and the Metcalfs and, and then guided me into serving and everything is just phenomenal where I feel I'm, I'm guided through life right now. After praying for six to nine months, not having to go back, I was approved for disability and I feel God took away all my pain and sorrow not having to go back to work for the railroad. I deal with things still, like everybody else. But I have this freedom now and this, he relieved me with all this, like all the tension that was on me. And that's where I got my faith in having with my finances and getting through that unemployment time. Before I would use, I would cope. And now it's a different coping, which it's God making me feel good rather than a substance or something. And how everything worked out with those two years has made me think God can do anything. That beautiful. God's waiting to do the same in your life. God's eager to do the same in your life. I want to lead you through a, a real simple little prayer. It goes like this. God, I surrender my life to your guidance through Jesus. If you're ready to stop coping with your shortcomings and shame and all the other ways, if you're ready to open the one relief mechanism of the universe that works, surrender to Jesus. If you're choosing that today, maybe for the first time, or maybe as a believer who has received forgiveness but you've been struggling under the weight of your own imperfection, I want to invite you to say that out loud with me. Uh, in fact, don't be timid. Uh, I would guess the majority of us in here believe this. And uh, I'd love for us to say it out loud. Only if you mean it. If you don't mean it, you don't, no pressure if you don't mean it. But if you believe this, including if it's your first moment of faith, the little spark in you that says, God, I do surrender, uh, then on the count of three, we'll say this together. And, and don't hold back because we don't have time to do it two or three times. We got a ton of baptisms coming up here. So uh, here we go. One, two, three. God, I surrender my life to your guidance through Jesus. If you have prayed that for the first time, you have opened the door. Scripture says God stands at the door and knocks. He's just waiting for you to let him in. And if you will now learn what it means to follow Jesus, you will see a radically better and different kind of life. In fact, if you're praying that in a life-changing way today, when we start our baptisms over here to my right, there's a double door exit over there. I'll be standing over there, and I'd love for you to come and pray with me if you're praying that today in a life-changing way. If you guys would stand with me now, I just want to read one last scripture over you. This is really what we taught and learned today, but this is it directly from the Word of God. Open your hearts to receive. Here's who Jesus is according to the Bible. God has rescued us believers from the kingdom of darkness, and he's transferred you, new believer, into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased your freedom who forgave your sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. He's supreme over all creation. Through Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. It's through Christ that he made the things we can see and the subatomic things we can't see. Thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created for Christ and through Christ. He existed before anything. And he holds all things together. He can hold you together in what you're going through. Christ is also the head of the church. Can I get an amen for that? Christ is the head of our church. He's our leader. The church is simply his body. He's the beginning. He's supreme over all who will rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, who now lives in you, believers. 
And through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood shed on the cross, and this includes you. You and me who were once far away from God. You were God's enemies, separated from him by evil thoughts and actions, but now, the moment you receive and believe in Jesus, you are reconciled to him through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, God has brought you into his own presence and you are holy. Believer, you're now holy. You're blameless. You stand before him without a single fault. Do you know this with assurance today? If you don't receive Christ even now and believers, we must continue to believe this truth. We must stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance. Don't drift away from the good news that you've received. We're about to have baptisms. You're gonna hear partying and celebrating because these are people who've surrendered to Christ. As they're being baptized, if God is working in your heart today and you're believing for the forgiveness of your sins, I would love to pray with you over there. If you're at Avon, you can just go to the front. There'll be pastors up there. If you're here as a believer, I wanna invite you, just open your arms and your heart to the Spirit of God. Allow Him to move your eyes to tears, your skin to chills, more importantly, your soul to surrender as we celebrate these new births in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray for every new believer here and in Avon and online that each one will take the step of telling someone that they believed in Jesus today to forgive their sins. We submit to you and, and dedicate to you all these new believers who are surrendering their lives. May they experience Christ as the hope of glory living in them. And Lord, for every believer in our movement, may we fully uh, experience you being the power, the strength, the sufficiency for all of our brokenness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.